Let's shake it up a little. Welcome to the Salt and Pepper Podcast, adding a little bit of salt and a little bit of spice to make your Tuesday just right. Here's your hosts, Lisa and Olivia. It's impossible for us to all function the same way. It's impossible for us to have the same reaction to the same event. We're all different. We all have different biologies. We all got more or less sleep. We all had food or didn't eat today, right? Or we've all had different upbringings and different triggers that will impact how we react to something. So kind of just being respectful for that individual's history, for that individual human as as a whole. Just be respectful as a human. Welcome to the Salt and Pepper podcast. My name is Olivia, and um, I'm an entrepreneur, brand builder, content creator. Welcome to the show, everybody. And across from me, today directly across from me, instead of to the right of me, is Lisa Brosser. Hi, I'm Lisa Brosser. (laughs) I'm a mom um, and a wife. Um, Literally two seconds before Olivia said that, she said, I'm so done talking, but let's just do this. And so I was just Don't tell them how the sausage is made. Ew that you know that that's a like a thing yeah oh okay it, it just um it sounds works so wrong. it works for so many things though yeah okay so that's my new American don't how saying. about uh, yeah sure gross one you could do don't pull better? back the curtain is that better yeah what is that about I'm assuming it's from Wizard of Oz I think that's the oh. where it originated mm-hmm. but um let's just go with that because that's one of my favorite movies okay okay What's your current obsession? Um, my current obsession is I found uh, this playlist and I'm like, wow, this has really been my mood lately. And it was all of these artists that I already really liked. That's probably why I was suggested to me. And it's like a 2013 playlist. And then I found some new artists I hadn't heard of and these songs that were so awesome. I'm like, gosh, is this is all the same genre. Like, what am I listening to? I thought it was like alternative or something. It was rock music. I, I was a bit triggered. I was like, am I, um, I an old l- boomer mom? Um, hang on, hang, hang on. So the Just, playlist uh, is the Spotify playlist is called 2013 rock. And so I like rock and roll. I literally am going to make a notes in my phone that says things that Lisa hates temporarily <laughs> because you hate so many things. Oh, I just detest that. And then two weeks later, you're coming in with an orange pop socket and you're know. doing your thing. Gosh, I hate orange. I hate brown. I hate rock. And I'm like, they're not I just that bad. Remember when I bought an orange shirt? Yeah. A week ago. Yeah. I, that's what I'm saying. Gosh. Here's the thing. <clears throat> well, what's annoying is what my current know obsession that this is. is. Rock. That's why this is annoying. You, what? Queen. Oh, but I don't like Queen. Okay, that's fine. But right. if you like a whole playlist so, that's rock, it has 2013 tenden- rock. Sure, it that's has the why, tendencies. I'm sure. That's why it doesn't seem like rock isn't the right. You think genre it's pop name. rock? Maybe. No, because pop rock is so much more poppy. This is like. 
The Killers, Arctic Monkeys. Um, the Killers are rock. Yeah, exactly. Like the, yeah, so and you I, like some... Here, Here's the thing. Okay, I'm going to help you right now, okay? Okay. I think that you put things in really broad boxes, but you just don't like certain things. Like, you might not like Queen, but you like some rock. You know, like, instead of saying, I don't like any rock. It's like, well, you might like some, but just not all. But, okay, yes. I would not characterize these bands as rock, though. I would say and so. They that's are. what I thought. Yeah, You're, it's because I think when you think of rock, it's like ACDC or exactly. Queen or like the like the eighties and nineties rock, classic rock. You don't like classic rock. Okay, there we go. Then we I don't like classic it. rock, which is fine, but it doesn't make you a oh, boomer no. mom. Oh right. I thought like oh all of a sudden I like rock music. Like should I change my handle to Rock and Roll Girl five four one? Sure, that'd actually be funny. Should I? Yes. But then we're, you're going to have to change all the content. No. Are you okay with you're that? You're just not going to get any traffic. <laughs> you do what That's you okay. want, but I'm not okay. rebranding anything. Literally, I lose followers per post. So I think no People one like, can put oh, a I finger on she me. Existed. <laughs> I, that, I forgot that I follow her. Um, I forgot that she still exists. Literally, our Gen Z photo. I was like, oh, I literally just lost six followers. Like, oh, she's in a photo with that. Olivia. Ew. <laughs> I'm like, wow, people really hate our podcast, and that's okay. Wow. So, anyways. Mm. Well, my current obsession is Queen yeah, because I, well, I think it was watching Bohemian Rhapsody, and I really liked the movie. And his story is just really sad, like who he was. But his voice is just absolutely insane freddie mercury's voice is like how is that even possible somebody has a voice like that whether you like the genre or not mm-hmm. i just don't i it's respect it wild um i know i yeah. would have liked it like going to a concert i would oh sure even now go to a yeah concert. no i get why people don't like certain genres it's just kind of like for me like i if i could don't typically like country music but i respect a lot of country artists not all of them but i like a lot of some i like older country music where when it was like johnny cash and like dolly parton like the real Mm -hmm. core of it but then there are some modern country artists and i'm like i'm so sorry all of you are the same but then some aren't so you know it's just hard you just have respect for different things but you don't like all of it so we shouldn't generalize anything i don't think so so our culture is screwed yeah generalize everything yeah well it's just like for me i love musicals but there are some i don't like but for the majority, I love them. And for some, I'm like, okay, we just got to turn this off. This is too much, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just, a, it's just a preference. Yes. So yeah, quit generalizing things. Okay, well, I'll try. I'm sorry. Paramore? Paramore is rock. That's more poppy. I wouldn't think I that don't they're know. rock. I don't like the that neighborhood. type of music. Uh, I guess Fall Out Boy. Group Love? I don't know. Group I'm Love just, is like, not rock. Bastille is on here? No. Hame. That's not rock. That's ne- what I neither is thought. Bastille. No, Kings of Leon. That makes sense. It's like a different type Vampire of rock. Vampire Weekend. Is I would either. say. It's different. What would I say if I listened to Paramore? I would say like scene music. That's how I categorize it's it in poppy. my head. I hate it. So oh, I, I like it. older rock. Paramore so, and that type of stuff. I'm like, oh like my god. Sleeping with Sirens. Love Sleeping with Sirens. That's like poppy but rock. So you. Punk? punk punk that's punk some of that is but not Pop bastille punk. okay this is that playlist is wrong who made that 
I a told Gen Zer who doesn't know. <gasps> oh no! They're like, this is rock, right? Because they don't even know like what anything is. Well, the, uh, the Killers to them is like actual rock to them. Well, and do you know what's weird though is like Elvis Presley was known as the king of rock and roll. So if you think of his music, it's like, right. was that rock and roll? Well, it was for, for then. But then you know, Michael when Jackson I, I is the of king like of 80s. pop, right? But you know, he wasn't alive. In the 80s. Elvis. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I thought you meant... When I think of Elvis, I think of the 80s. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I, I'm I think so of sorry. Rock. I have to leave. When I think of rock, I think of the 80s. Like, these crazy, like... Like ACDC. for your children. Well, I mean, Aerosmith and Back ACDC, then. those were icons. Like, that music yes. is iconic. So, anyway. Um, okay, okay, so... Silver lining. Yeah. want to go sure i'll go i'm just going first on everything also i hope you're proud of me for only saying one even though my other one is my big current obsession but we'll save it for next week i'm gonna give you a gold star for doing your job right (laughs) (laughs) okay so i hate periods period oh I'm just really happy you're still getting your period because it means you're not pregnant. Yeah, that's my silver lining. I'm not pregnant. Okay, great. Um, What's your silver lining? Okay, I was like, are we going to go more in depth? Sorry, Maria. Um, My silver lining is, so I was reading the Bible, like a Christian, and (laughs) um, we were reading through just some verses and I found this verse and this is something I always say and it's just so cool when you find a verse that matches up with you with what you always say and it's in Proverbs and it says in all toil there is profit but mere talk tends only to poverty and I'm like that's literally what I say all the time like talk don't just talk the talk like I don't even want to hear about it don't tell me about it do your job and make it happen and it was just so cool to see that like backed up biblically like God's like dude you can talk all you want but that's not going to do anything for you yeah so anyway silver lining is god is on my side yeah. i mean it's like the pharisees like you put up this false uh persona pretty much like you sit like just because you're sitting in the first row at church doesn't mean you even believe in god right yeah that's good yeah amen thank you lord not <laughs> yeah, i'm like are you thinking okay. me i'm like oh i did read it so. um okay well today on the show was that everything yeah that okay. was everything today on the show we have Mar- maria sosa from holistically grace and it was such a good interview such today a good interview. kind of our She's first awesome. therapist? therapist right am i not am i, I speaking so. out of line did we have someone else if we did, so sorry about that. Um, but she no, was, just a lot of Enneagram people. A lot of Enneagram people. <laughs> so it feels people. like we've had on a I lot of therapists. S- yeah. But our first, like, real, like, therapist talking to us. Well, she's a family therapist, holistic therapist, intuitive eating counselor. Mm-hmm. And we actually talked a lot about that, and I wasn't expecting to. So. <laughs> no. So luckily, we caught ourselves 40 minutes in. <laughs> Gosh, I know. But it was really interesting. It was so, so good. No matter what, like, food or health journey you're on, like, it's really applicable so to relatable. everybody. Um, yeah. And we just talk a lot about, like, friendships and emotions and all that kind of stuff. So it was a great interview. We were lucky yeah. to have her on. Okay. So let's get <laughs> <laughs> I disagree so, with everything you said. Um, let's uh, shake it up with Maria Sosa. 
Um, okay, so we are here with Maria Sosa of Holistically Grace. Um, okay, can you explain to us what a holistic therapist is and like what the difference is? Yeah, definitely. So I have a master's in marriage and family therapy. And so basically what we focus on is the relational aspect of things families, couples, individuals existing within a context, right? So it's not just the individual. It's not just looking at the person and saying, well, this is what's going on with you. And the problem lies within. It's this idea of problems are all around us. The problems are in the relationships that we have. And that also includes all the systems that we are a part of. And so in addition to that, I just always really enjoyed talking about nutrition and how nutrition impacts our mental health and our well-being. And so I went and got a certification from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and then intuitive eating as well. So I was just thinking that there's so many things that impact us, our relationships, our nutrition, our body, um, exercise. So, you know, there's just so many components and often what we do is in the mental health field, we just focus on that component. So just the mental aspects. And then if we're talking about nutrition, then we just focus about the nutrition and we don't take into consideration the trauma that a person may experience, the social, you know, prejudice or racism, whatever it may be, that also impacts the well-being of the individual. So holistic just means taking into account everything or every layer in our lives that impacts our health, our well-being, and has an impact and needs to be kind of brought into attention. So we have the mind, the body, the social context, the relationships, just bring it all in and make sure that we're not emphasizing one thing as the reason why there's something, you know, why there's a problem, why there's something going on with us. Hmm. Oh, that's so interesting. I I go to therapy and we talk a lot about trauma mm-hmm. and um, just how that's like formed you now. So I love the idea of like, well, also like, how are you eating? Like, mm-hmm. how is that impacting you? Mm-hmm. Um, so what does a session with you look like? So, well, I back up just one second. Sure. <laughs> you have a podcast, you are thriving on Instagram and you're pretty much my therapist as well. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and uh, like you just said, you do internet sessions. Um, so what do you do um, like sessions individually or are you primarily just online um, doing like bigger sessions? Yeah. So currently I'm working on intuitive eating coaching. And so in terms of that, we are looking at all the components that go into individuals getting into this diet mindset of I need to lose weight and I need to look a certain way. And then we develop this really unhealthy relationship with our food, right? And so the easiest thing to say is, okay, well, you know, we're just going to look at your food, but we realize that there's all these relationships and there's the way that we were raised and what kind of messages were we getting from our caregivers and has, you know, were you bullied as, as a child and that kind of had an impact on the way that you view yourself and your body. Uh, And then also, you know, current relationships and, you know, are you in a romantic relationship and you also feel the pressure to look a certain way for your partner. So essentially a session with me would, you know, take a look 
into your history of dieting, your expectations of beauty, the relationship that you have with your food, how it relates to your current relationship with other individuals around you, with your family. Again, it's a holistic approach. So there's so many different components um, that go into that. And then the mental health part of it as well. So I don't think that there's ever really one specific way that my sessions look it, it's all dependent on whatever you're coming, whatever you're bringing, and just continuing to layer it, continuing to add things so that we're not focusing on just one thing or one part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was interesting when I was looking at your bio, because a lot of times you don't see like intuitive eating, like mm-hmm. in a bio for a therapist. And um, I'm really passionate just about health within itself. But then what you were saying about how everything is intertwined, it's so true. Because for me, it's like, well, well, I think I've struggled with this. A lot of people do this idea of like, well, I'm going to start working out so I don't hate my body anymore or whatever. And then you're going into it with this idea of like hating yourself or I'm going to be good and I'm going to eat good food. And it's like, why are you good or bad depending on like what food you eat? Um, and so can you break down exactly what intuitive eating means and how you guide people within that? Yeah. So I think that the phrase has kind of shifted out of the intention of intuitive eating because I think a lot of people are like oh yeah I'm an intuitive eater I eat when I'm hungry and I stop when I'm full right so that that sounds very intuitive however intuitive eating as a concept there's actually 10 principles and there's a book and there's a training so there's a specific way that you work with intuitive eating and so one of the, the first principles is ditching the diet mentality body respect um understanding where you know all of these things are coming from which is our cultural aspects and the social components so there's all these things that need to be taken into consideration ditching these labels of good and bad and kind of understanding that food is enjoyable it's supposed to be enjoyable it keeps us alive so when people are you know kind of thinking that they're addicted to food. And it's like, you're not addicted to food, your body needs food. So it's always going to direct you towards food. It's always going to direct you towards fuel, towards energy so that you're able to continue. Um, So there's actually 10 principles that you go through. It's not just eating when you're hungry um, and then stopping when you're full. There's so much more to it. Um, But I think probably one of my favorite ones is this idea that you're not a good or bad person because of the food that you're eating. It is food. It is neutral. We don't have to give it a a value. Um, And also if we're looking from a holistic uh, mindset or, or, or framework, then there's different purposes for food. So sometimes food is emotional and it's one of the only ways that we know how to cope. And yet, culturally speaking, we really demonize that, right? So, oh man, I was emotionally eating and it was so awful. And I was like, well, I wonder if at that moment you didn't have anything that you were able to cope with, or maybe you weren't able to kind of sit with yourself and figure out what was going on. What can we do different next time without shaming ourselves, without kind of getting into this idea that we're bad for for eating or hating or shaming upon ourselves and and the workout component as well. It's never, I wanna move my body or I want to make sure that it's healthy and it's able to continue to function properly. It's, 
I want to lose weight. I want it to look a certain way and I'm going to punish it for eating this bad food or for not doing X, Y, and Z, right? So it, there's, there's so much hate <laughs> that is called health. That's my opinion though. You know, like we're calling it something and it doesn't seem like it's very healthy to me. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I, I have a past with eating disorders mm-hmm. and, um, I've been out of it. Oh gosh, how long has it been now? Longer than five years. And it's so weird because like I think you're bringing up things and I'm like, oh wait, I remember thinking that way. Like, oh, I <clears throat> I don't even remember like a for instance. It's so crazy. Like my mind, like my literal like mental state has changed ever since like it switched like I I don't demonize food anymore Mm -hmm. um and I remember just like if I felt guilty over a certain food I was eating I also thought like someone else was judging me for the food I was eating Mm -hmm. and then it just made me feel worse about myself but then I was like oh well if this person sees me eating an apple they're gonna look at me like I'm such a better healthier um, skinnier person and they're going to like me more. Mm-hmm. And so it's just so interesting. Um, just the way, like, I don't think about that anymore. Like I was actually going to ask you, um, is it bad that I eat, uh, Trader Joe's oven mac and cheese two times a week as my dinner? <laughs> um, <laughs> because I can't really figure out other things that I want to eat. And I've just like been loving mac and cheese. Like it, and that's actually kind of an honest question. I'm I'm actually struggling with like okay I understand I'm thin and that's okay I feel like that's even something I can feel like kind of judged about because I do not eat very well mm-hmm. and um I can actually like feel kind of guilty about not eating healthier um I don't not eat healthy but then I'll feel bad about most of my meals not being super healthy and so I just want to know your thoughts about that like should I actually be thinking much more about like not having mac and cheese and like (laughs) fried chicken mixed into it? You really are her therapist. (laughs) You really are my therapist. (laughs) I love this. I love this. um, Just because because I want to change like it's not about like, oh, because you look a certain way, you need to eat better. Like I know that like being thinner doesn't mean I can just eat whatever I want because that's also not actually good for me. Right. (laughs) So you mentioned two things. The first one is what we talk about in intuitive eating as thin privilege. So the fact that you are thin, you are allowed to eat the mac and cheese and nobody's going to judge you and say, look at you eating that mac and cheese or eating that burger because you're thin. In fact, people would probably applaud you like, look at you, good for you, you know, like for eating whatever you want. However, a person in a larger body or somebody who's fat would be like, well, no wonder, you know, that you are eating this and this is why you're fat. And, you know, there's a correlation here. And so it's so interesting to think like it's the same food. However, because I am thin, I'm not being judged upon because I'm eating that food. But if I was in a larger, if I was in a fat body, then people would be looking at me and judging or having something to say about the things that I eat. So that's one thing that I wanted to point out. The second part is 
there's different kinds of foods and they all have different purposes, right? So sometimes the food that we eat is convenient food and it's not quote unquote the healthiest for ourselves, but it's definitely better than not eating. It's definitely better than skipping a meal because it's not the quote unquote healthiest version, which again, healthy is so subjective, right? Mm -hmm. What, you know, there's so many labels that we give it. And above all, it's this idea of what is best for my body at this moment, Mm. right? Because it's stressing about the mac and cheese and shaming myself and thinking, oh, I'm just, you know, going to go down this thought spiral because of the food that I'm eating. Eat the mac and cheese, it's going to be so much better for you than actually getting into a negative mindset or mind frame about the unhealthy things that you are eating. And what we try to do in intuitive eating is kind of employ this idea of for the most part, as opposed to thinking that I always have to eat this way or that my eating has to be perfect. For the most part, I do a pretty good job of eating well, of taking care of my body, of being kind to my body. Are there times when I don't? Yeah, sure. And it's not a big deal because one or two meals does not define any of my nutrition. It's for the most part. So I don't know if that helps or if that answers because I'm never going to say this is what you should be doing because I right. love for everybody to make their own rules and decides what's what is best for their bodies um so you probably won't hear me saying this is what you should be doing or answering your questions for you but more how does that sit with you what I just said how does that sit with you Yeah. I mean, that's actually exactly what it is. I'm living with my parents right now. And so it is like out of convenience, like, oh, well, I don't want to take up the kitchen and like Mm -hmm. make this full on meal. I never know if my mom's making a meal or if I'm making the meal for the night. And so I just end up making mac and cheese for my dinner. The boys, Mm -hmm. I have two young boys. And so once they go down, I'm like, I literally don't feel like standing any longer. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to put on the timer and just wait for my mac and cheese to come out. So yeah, no, that's actually really, that was, that was good thank you for that yeah well now I have a question like that because you just sparked it we, we each get one selfish we, question one selfish question <laughs> then we'll get into it okay, uh, okay. <laughs> um well because I actually have never asked somebody like their thoughts on this but mm-hmm. I I live a lot by bartering so like I have read a lot about how like entrepreneurs or business people like the most successful people barter with themselves so like mm-hmm. if I am going to I mean if we're talking about food if I'm going to eat this way I'm going to work out 15 minutes longer tomorrow or the next day I'm going to eat a little bit healthier. And for me, it doesn't feel unhealthy. For me, it feels kind of like a balance in my head of like, I'm going to have something kind of bad Saturday night and I'm going to enjoy it fully. But then like Monday, I'm going to hit it a little bit harder. And I do the same with all of my work things. If I'm going to take a break, I'm going to watch an extra episode of this, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So from your perspective, what do you think about that mentality? Yeah, it's conditional. So there's always a condition that must be met in order to be able to do something, which isn't intuitive as a whole. So it's saying, I can only eat this thing if I work it off, right? Mm -hmm. Or I can only do this if I comply with this. Um, Intuitive eating is 
part of the biggest part is checking in with your body and how it is in that moment, because some days you're going to be hungrier than others, because some days you will not have slept well. And the fact that you didn't sleep well means that you're probably going to need more energy and more fuel. And you're going to be hungrier because again, if we're not labeling food, then that quote unquote, uh, junky food that you've had on Friday is irrelevant to the workout that you have on a Saturday. Because when we're working out, we're working out to feel good, not to make up for something that we ate. So when it comes to intuitive eating, we try to remove those conditions. And we would say, I'm allowed to eat it whether I work out or not without that bartering. I'm allowed to work out or not work out depending on what feels best for my body today. And checking in on the daily on the second. So right now, you know, it's whatever time of the day you're listening to this. How am I feeling? Am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Did I sleep? Did I work out today? Right? So there's so many components that we have to check into that allow us to know what we want to eat, what we're hungry for, what would taste good in terms of flavors, and that changes. And it's not always convenient because, you know, sometimes we have to meal prep or whatever it may be. And, you know, there's so many components that go into that. But for the most part, it's what do I feel like at this moment? So check in with yourself as opposed to having these rules and these things that you have to complete in order to be able to give yourself nourishment. Okay. No, that makes sense. So what advice would you give to somebody who maybe really does need to go on a pretty strict diet or um, maybe really needs to like clean up their gut health because they have like psoriasis? Like I know people like that or people that maybe really need to lose a substantial amount of weight, but they don't want to go cold turkey because I think we all know what happens when you do that because then all of a sudden you're like binging on cookies and pizza, you know, a lot. (laughs) And so what advice would you give for intuitive eating, but also kind of being strict with your diet? So, well, first of all, I'd be curious as to what, you know, is the purpose of the dieting. A lot of what we hear in terms of medicalized dieting is actually unhealthy because Mm -hmm. individuals who go on diets, statistics have shown that 95% of those actually end up gaining back the weight that they lost. So the body naturally has a tendency to want to hold on to weight. So instead of focusing on this idea of weight loss and substantial weight loss, then we'd be focusing on what are some health behaviors that would be useful for you to engage in. So if you, for example, don't have any greens in your repertoire of foods that you're eating, how can we include more greens, right? At no point would we be saying, well, take the cookies out or take this or take that. Instead of subtracting, we're looking to add. We're looking to incorporate things that improve our health as opposed to restriction because restriction really sets us up for binging. It sets us up for this idea of lacking freedom and it's made up in some way, shape or form. So when we're told, we have to restrict when we're told we can't do something, it comes out somewhere else. So we want to avoid those um, common things that are usually part of diet culture. And we just want to look at, well, what can I add? What can I Mm -hmm. include into my routine so that I am employing and, and choosing better things for myself? 
Yeah. No, that that totally makes sense. Um, Okay. One thing that I just need to highlight is when you were talking about not sleeping well and eating more for more fuel. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, that just makes so much sense. And I don't think I've ever thought or understood that. Yeah. But that's why you're supposed to like sleep all night. So you also like don't overeat so that you have enough like energy to like fuel yourself for the day. So that was just like totally mind blowing (laughs) for me. I'm like, okay, sleep better, obviously. Yeah. Not even like for weight, but it's like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, So you need the sleep so that you're able to recuperate, so that you're able to recharge. And when you're not, your body's kind of thrown off balance. So it either is seeking more things to comfort, to soothe, whether that be, you know, more food, more television, more whatever, right? So it's it's just in a state of disbalance and it's trying to recalibrate itself to be some sort of normal. And so it doesn't look the same way as if we've gotten it, as if we had gotten a good night rest. Hmm. So you're giving me permission to sleep 15 hours a night? Um, I'm giving you permission to go to bed earlier. Get off your phone. Huh? Wait, I'm so sorry. My earbuds just went out when you said that. Yeah. So I'm giving you permission to set a timer so that you're not on your phone scrolling and that the light from the phone isn't messing up your sleep pattern. Yes, I'm giving you permission to do that. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Of course. Um, yeah, twist it into your own facts. Yeah. Um, okay. And then the bartering with... Um, yourself that actually triggers a lot of like my eating disorder stuff Mm -hmm. because that's what you do like okay well if I ate too much for lunch okay so I'm not going to eat for the rest of the day or I'm only going to have an apple tomorrow and that's it it's like today's then my cheat day but then you end up like like hurting yourself because then you end up eating more than an apple and you're like why did I do that like I was only supposed to eat an apple today and um, so I can see how you're like, well, I mean, that's not entirely intuitive. Oh, no, it's, um, it's zero intuitive. It's all based on diet rules. <laughs> Great, guys. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> well, well, I, I will. I, when I um, after I, I bartered with myself after having my babies, because mm-hmm. um, when I'm pregnant, I allow myself to eat whatever I want. And. <clears throat> but that I, should be always. You should allow yourself to eat what you want when you're pregnant, when you're not pregnant. And that's a thing oh, that, that happens totally. in our society as well. It's like, okay, well, I'm pregnant, so I can do whatever I want. And now that I've had the babies, well, now I need to lose all the baby weight. And now I have to, you know, like there's so many expectations, especially for women in our bodies that are ex- exhausting. It's just exhausting to to kind of uphold these beauty standards and body standards. And and I'm sure you can attest to that just having. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, one thing that I noticed wasn't good though. So I'm, I'm curious what you'll say about this Mm -hmm. is I have sugar addiction for sure. I mean, anyone can, but I, that's like my thing that I can definitely indulge way too much in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I would 
um, have like a sugary snack or something rather than a meal. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I was like, okay, so I wouldn't stop myself from like eating whatever I wanted. I would just say like, okay, I can only have one sweet thing a day from, from now on. So when I'm pregnant, I allow myself to have ice cream literally every single night and it was the best. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's not even like after having the baby, but a little bit after having the baby, um, maybe like a couple months I'm like okay I need to like lay low on the sugary snacks or whatever it is um and I'll just tell myself like okay starting off I'll just have like two sweet things a day and then just like slowly like wean off and I'm still allowing myself like one to like three like sugary things a day like if I'm gonna go to a wedding but I want like a vanilla latte in the morning I'm gonna let myself have like a vanilla latte and still have like cake and whatever I want at the wedding Mm -hmm. so I'm curious what you think about that is that bartering (laughs) or is that still intuitive (laughs) it's still bartering yeah so kind of setting restrictions that are external as opposed to internal that's still not intuitive so it's kind of just saying you know what what is here what is within uh and you mentioned this idea of sugar addiction which the science by the way is kind of shaky on that we've heard it a lot but it's not actually something that is you know i don't have the the research with me on hand at the moment um but it's not 100 percent real a lot of it has to do with the restriction component of it so Mm. it's saying i will only allow myself to eat one sweet now your brain is thinking i can only have one sweet and i'm being restricted and i'm feeling like i'm not allowed to make this decision so i can tell you that when i started intuitive eating i would eat Oreos nonstop because I was allowing myself to eat the food that I had been deprived of for so many years, right? So I wasn't Mm -hmm. allowed to eat these Oreos where I only allowed myself to have one or whatever it was. So of course, when I gave myself full permission to eat, I ate Oreos and boxes of Oreos for, I can't, you know, it was just a lot of Oreos. Uh, I have Oreos in my cupboard that you know, have probably been there, you know, for a good month, right? Because I know that I have the permission to eat it because I know Mm -hmm. that there is no restriction on this. So I will have an Oreo, you know, after I eat two Oreos, whatever that may look like. And that's what my body wants at that moment. But at no point am I saying to yourself, I don't trust you. You can only have one Oreo when we're only allowing ourselves, right? So that's coming from a place of, there's a rule that I've created as opposed to checking in with the body and saying, well, what are you even feeling? Right. Do you even want the Oreo now? Maybe I want some fruit or whatever it looks like in terms of the sweetness, but it comes with that full permission. And again, there's an adjustment period because if you've been restricting for a really long time, then you'll have, you know, the boxes of Oreos that you feel like you're out of control and you feel like you can't stop. But naturally your body's like, cool. Um, fine. I've had the Oreos. I'm not feeling deprived anymore. I'll eat them when I want and I'm not feeling restricted. And so there are the Oreos. They're hanging out. I'm not concerned. I'm not bothered by them whatsoever. That's so 
crazy because I think that's the literal mind shift Mm -hmm. of when I stopped having my eating disorder. And I hate even saying like stopped having my eating disorder because I can still have tendencies of like, oh yeah, well, whatever it is. It's a constant Um, thing. And I find myself, I think it was, you know, during COVID times, it was like, oh, a mm -hmm. lot of these mindsets are coming back. And I'm thinking, you know, it sounds very diety. What's going on? So I don't think we ever really fully say I'm done with this. It's mm-hmm. more like, okay, I'm not giving this the space in my life or this isn't yeah. taking over the way that it used to. Or I'm spending so much less time or I can redirect this thought going elsewhere because it comes up, right? It's, it, I think it often um, is something that we feel like, oh, I'm right back where we started. No, we're not. We're just dealing with it differently. It's coming up and we're doing something else with it now. So yeah, thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of people expect to get to this place where they're just healed and they don't have to deal with it anymore. It comes back up. It definitely does. I, th- I think that's a good transition into something that I was reading a lot on your page about unlearning your past Yes. and what we think we should be doing and breaking those limits. And um, I think for me, like just in the past like seven or eight years, I kind of was there was a lot of things I grew up thinking like I should be this I should be that we live in a small Christian like kind of community so there's a lot of things that you think you just should be doing which you know there's obviously good and bad well I guess I shouldn't say that but (laughs) you know there are things that are better for you or not better for you or whatever that looks like Um, but I think that that's where I can get really tricky especially because my perspective on everything is like following your dreams and your passions but when you're raised by so like so many people are raised so many different ways and it's so hard to unlearn those things that are ingrained within us when we're young and some people feel like no I can't follow my dreams what are you talking about or no I could never do this I have to do this so what advice and like what are your thoughts on people that really want to unlearn those thoughts and they kind of want to start fresh and start like a new journey Mm, yeah so the first thing is permission I think just kind of saying what worked for others or what has been taught for me doesn't have to be my reality. It doesn't have to be the way that I do things. So kind of just getting first, removing that barrier, right? So that barrier that says, no, I can't do this or no, it has to be done this way. So the first thing is kind of saying, I can do things differently and I'm going to remove the idea that I can't. And the second part of that is, kind of considering what works and what doesn't work. So you touched up on this idea of what's good and what's bad. So if we shift into what works for me and what doesn't work for me, then that kind of gets us in tune more with the things that we want to do, more with the things that are in alignment with our own beliefs, our own values. And it challenges this challenges the ideas that we have grown up with that may no longer fit for us. So for example, if you grew up in a household that was very strict, I grew up in a household that was very strict. So this may come from my personal experience. (laughs) I can either confirm or deny this, but uh, I wanted to be very flexible, essentially, as an adult, and I wanted to not have so much rigidity and have less plans and more freedom. So it was kind of this idea of, well, that did not work for me. This is what works for me. It was neither good or bad. This is just what is working for me at the moment. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, I think I think so many people just like 
I mean, a lot of it is just fear, I think. And they're so scared of disappointing people, especially like their parents or their grandparents or, you know, oh, my parents paid for me to go to school. So I have to finish my degree because if I don't finish my degree, I'm going to disappoint everybody as opposed to the idea of. But when you're 80 and you're alone and you're looking back at your life, you're not answering to anybody, but you're looking back at your life going, what did I choose? Um and so do you have advice for people that are kind of paralyzed by fear within that or maybe fear of just disappointing the people that they love around them? Yeah, so not disappointing others if we're looking at a coin, right? So there's one side to this and there's the other. And it's okay, so you're not disappointing everybody else, but are you disappointing yourself? How are you letting yourself down? You're not letting anybody else down because you're living up to everybody's standards and everybody's ideas of what you should be doing, but you're letting yourself down and you're disappointing you. And does that not have value? And does that not count for you? Because you are going to grow up or adult in some way, shape or form. Um, And you're going to look back on that and say, well, mm, I really didn't do the things that I wanted because I was so concerned about pleasing everybody. Uh, And at any point you can decide to please and choose yourself and not disappoint yourself. Right. So even if you feel like you're so far down this path of pleasing others and doing what is expected of you at any point, you can say, okay, well today I'm choosing me and today I'm choosing to do things a little bit differently. Um, so just kind of knowing that the flip side of not disappointing others is disappointing yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of it too can be, um, like it feels selfish. Like Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people feel selfish within that Mm -hmm. and then not realizing, but when you're the best version of yourself, you are going to be the best for everybody else. And when you choose the things that make you passionate and happy, it will reflect for other people and you'll want to give more and you'll want to be more for other people. Um, But yeah, I just think that's super important and and interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's so hard. I'm even thinking like culturally, I just grip so differently. And this is something that we always have conversations about. And yeah, that's like so hard to get out of that mindset because my parents... They came here from uh, Romania and my parents came here and they're like, okay, we came here for you to have a better life. And that's what, this is what it looks like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't want to do any of that. (laughs) (laughs) And that's so hard because I'm a, I'm an immigrant as well. So I'm originally from Venezuela and my parents came to the United States as well with this idea of living the American dream and making sure that we fit in and we did this and this is how you become successful and that led to me you know I when I was going to college I wanted to be an education major and my father said nope that's not going to make you any money so you're going to go into business literally what my parents say (laughs) (laughs) right and so it meant going to business school and it meant being uh you know doing marketing and PR and not really liking it at all and then going back to school and doing psychology and doing therapy and doing all the things that were important to me and I look back on it and of course you know I look at my 18 year old self with a lot of kindness and a lot of that I wanted to be respectful to my father and I thought that he knew what was best for me 
And as opposed to thinking, God, I wish I would have stood up and I wish I would have said, this is what I want to do. And I wish I would have had the strength to do, you know, I always like to think that things happen for a reason. I am where I am because that's how it is. And it all worked out at the end uh, or in the end. But yeah, just this idea of things are done a certain way because other individuals who we respect, who we care for, who we love for uh, have expectations of us and yeah it's hard to break break out of them for sure 100 yeah especially coming from a respect and honor culture yes <laughs> where uh, you respect your elders and okay. you don't talk back and you just do what you're supposed to do um and that's pretty much whatever they tell you to do yeah and that's so hard to break out of that I mean the only times I ever did that is when I did drop out of school when I got engaged to someone my parents didn't like and that was really hard <laughs> look at but you I was like, doing I your know, thing <laughs> right and it's crazy because since then like after I told my parents like I'm sorry but that's not what I want for my life like uh-huh. That's that's not the right thing for me. I understand where you're coming from. Like yeah. he has tattoos and piercings. And in Romania, that's like people who persecuted the Christians uh-huh. and like were in prison. Yeah. And my parents like can't break out of that mindset. And I'm like, I understand where you're coming from. And I've tried my hardest to make you happy. But at this point, I know what's best for me. And he's a really amazing person and he loves me. And ever since then, my parents have changed dramatically, which is so insane. I've seen such a difference in him. So it's really cool because like when you go against those barriers, I think a lot of people around you change as well. And and hopefully they'll see that change and they're like, wait, they're actually kind of right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, things adjust, right? So that first, I'm guessing that first conversation or those first months were really difficult for your relationship. It was really hard and there was a threat and they may have felt disrespected and you're not listening to me or whatever that may look like, but eventually things readjust. Things find a new medium or they find a new way of working themselves out. So when it comes to kind of quote unquote, disappointing others, when it comes to going against these expectations that were made for us, you're going to be uncomfortable. You're not going to be happy for a bit. (laughs) Um, But you will later when you realize that you have said your piece, when you realize that you have taken action, when you decided, I'm not going to disappoint myself and take my life into my own hands and do what I think is best for me. Um, things kind of readjust and there's a new way of doing things. And it sounds like that's what happened for your family, right? So this idea of, okay, things are changing. I guess you're an adult now and you're able to make these decisions for yourself and we'll adjust. We love you and we'll, we'll make it happen or we'll make it work. And, you know, not everything works out that way. Hopefully, um, it does. People are able to readjust and kind of make it work. So Mm-hmm. Oh, are you? <laughs> no, I was just going to say it's kind of like an intuitive life, like intuitive choices, like mm-hmm. the same as intuitive eating, you know, and this mm-hmm. idea because it wasn't like I was raised with this whole idea of follow your dreams. Like I have super supportive parents, but, you know, I went to school, I dropped out and I worked as a waitress. Then I worked as a manager and it took years and years to get to the spot where I'm like, 
I just don't care. Like, I don't care what anybody thinks. Like, especially in this culture, I've been with my boyfriend for eight years and people ask me at least three times a week when we're getting married. (laughs) And it's just one of those things where I'm like, I really, I was reading your, um, (laughs) the things that you say when a conversation is brought up (laughs) where it's like, this conversation isn't going to work for me. So yeah, we're not going to have it. Um, but it has taken so long and there are still days where I wake up and I'm like, should I be? And then I just have to snap out of that, you know, and just be like, it's a practice. You learn, you get new routines and you get a new mental routine every day that you wake up. It doesn't matter what people say. It matters about what's good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, it takes a long time to get to that point. Oh, yeah. Totally. And I think that you said it perfectly when you said it just takes practice and it takes repetition. It takes you saying the exact same script and the exact same thing so that people are like, okay, this isn't changing. This isn't going to be, you know, something that's up for discussion anymore. Um, I remember talking to one of my best friends about the fact that I didn't want to have kids and she would always bring up this idea. Oh, just wait. You're going to want them. Don't like, you know, just wait. You're going to get a little bit older. Oh, I know. Maria. Right. I know. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, this isn't happening. We're, like, you know, it, this is how I feel. This is what's going to go on. I haven't changed my mind. So, you know, and re- repetition, repetition. She doesn't bring up kids ever again. You know, it's just not something that we talk about anymore because you have to continue to have. And it's almost like a broken record. Nope we're not doing it. Nope, we're not having it. Nope, it's not going. And I think that so many of us think I've said it once. That's it. Or you should understand my boundary or you should know and boundaries don't work that way. Mm Because I think constantly we're kind of trying to push other people's boundaries as well. Every one of us, right? Even when we're good with boundaries, I think we're constantly just trying to be a human and get things to work in our favor. So take that into consideration as well. I mean, not that it makes any sense for my friend to kind of push me about the kids thing that has nothing to do with her, but you know, uh, just kind of, it's because she wants you to be happy. And I think there that that's go. a lot of times too is I can tell the difference when someone comes to me and they're just curious. They're like, so why? Mm-hmm. And I can tell the heart is different. And I'm like, mm-hmm. sure, I'll tell you. Ask me whatever you want. Anyone can ask me whatever they want and I'll tell them. Mm-hmm. And then there's the difference of people have tried to sit down with us telling us we're literally sinning by not getting married. And I'm like, I'm going to get up and go because I don't have time to yeah. deal with this, you know. Exactly. Um, but then I think it's to the the respect of understanding that everybody's different. Everybody understands understands different things and processes things different mm-hmm. differently and and that is something you talk about too or I think we really wanted to talk to you about is um respecting other people's emotions and how they emotionally process things and how like if I'm with somebody that processes things completely different like what advice would you give to whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship just understanding that people are just different and their brains work differently yeah I think it's just respect. I think it's respectful to have those check-ins and, you know, it's impossible for us to all function the same way. It's impossible for us to have the same reaction to the same event. We're all 
different. We all have different biologies. We all got more or less sleep. We all had food or didn't eat today, right? Or we've all had different upbringings and different triggers that will impact how we react to something. So kind of just being respectful for that individual's history, for that individual human as as a whole. Just be respectful as a human and Mm -hmm. kind of see how that sits with you. And also understanding that when I am respectful, that means that I'm also shown respect for the most part, right? Sometimes we Mm -hmm. find a lot of respectful individuals who are disrespected. So things don't always work out the way we want to. But in close and intimate relationships, we find that it's reciprocated. So if I show, then I'm also shown that as well. Um, that actually just reminded me of someone, um, Nidra on um, Instagram. She yeah. literally just posted something so similar, to, similarly to this. Mm-hmm. Oh, you liked it? That's so funny. I can see that you liked it. Oh, I love it's her. It's about she's oh, she posts. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's amazing. Yes. Um, she and it's the uh, this is not setting a boundary. It's controlling someone. Yeah, yeah. And that was so mind-blowing to see and you're you're touching on so many of the things that she's talking about because it's like respecting like where another person has come from not trying to change them like forcing your hand um was it um sarah jane um with enneagram she she was talking about um being in your own circle and not reaching out of Mm -hmm. your circle and trying to control someone else's life or their own circle Mm -hmm. like stay in your circle like stay in your lane and like be respectful that everyone else like has their own life and the way that they do things you can have conversations about things but like don't manipulate the situation yeah I was like, wow, that's really good. Unless Nothing you that I really do. want to. And then go ahead. Right? <laughs> Unless you're married, right? Yeah. Right? Then Unless you're married. Do whatever you want. Yes. Yeah. Full permission. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, that's actually a great um, segue because I really wanted to touch on um, you also are a family and marriage um, Couples therapist. therapist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so um, – I have been begging my therapist to force my husband into therapy. Um, if she's, <laughs> he's like, if that's she, not how it works. Yeah. If, if they're a good therapist, then they'll be like, nope. He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, you wish you could, you, you can't even drag him in here. And even if he came by force, it doesn't mean that anything's going to happen. So um, it's just been really interesting. Um, what I've been learning is working on myself and hoping that my not even hoping and in that my husband will want to come alongside me and Mm -hmm. like as he sees me grow he'll also want to be like involved in that Mm -hmm. and that's been so huge but I also want him to change so what (laughs) (laughs) but I also want him to be a completely different person yeah every woman ever (laughs) so I think um we're coming up on seven, six years, six years of marriage. And I have changed so much. I was 21 when we got married. I feel like I'm an entirely different person, but I'm also just like more myself. And so, and I know like that doesn't like stress my husband out or anything like that, but what do you suggest like being in a marriage or just like in relationships in general just like coming into your own 
because I feel like I almost don't want to like force my new self onto people but also like this is just who I am is that should I like slowly like I guess transition into who I really am and like figure myself out does Um, that make any sense well I think you need to think about what feels most authentic to you because ultimately it's about you and it's not essentially well let me ease myself into this space right it's this is me and this is how I'm deciding to show up now um, because I've changed because we all change because the normal tendency is for us all to change some individuals um, have no problem you know staying and not making any changes and that's fine as well you know like we're not here to judge you know if you're not changing then there's something wrong with you and if you are changing then there's something good with you right everybody is in a different stage of readiness of in regards to change and some individuals don't feel that they have anything to change and they may not right this is such a personal choice to make And so as opposed to saying, do I need to again mold myself into this space so that you're ready to accept who I am and where I am right now? I feel like that takes away from the authenticity and where you are with your progress. So I don't know if it fits with you, this idea of this is what feels authentic to me at this moment and I know that not everybody's going to come along for this ride would love it for you to be there I would love for us to support each other and to continue this friendship but if it doesn't fit anymore and if it doesn't feel like it's authentic then I'm going to have to honor that as well how does that sit with you so good because I feel like that's something we've talked about like in friendships that we've had Mm -hmm. like like do you just cut it off do you just like slowly transition out I feel like um you know it's just difficult because friendships are just as much like my marriage pretty much and you have to check in with them and sometimes it changes and that's okay Mm -hmm. that's kind of like the point that we kind of talked about and so just talking about like well if they're not going to accept you for who you are and like you just like being okay with that Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard to outgrow friendships because I think that there's also so much history and a lot of, well, but we had such a great time and we depended on each other and we grew up together and there's so much there and it feels really terrible to kind of just say, we're just not in the same place anymore and we're not really connecting. So there's a lot of emotions tied to that and continuing something that doesn't feel right isn't helping either one of you, right? So maybe what you're feeling is also what they're feeling as well. So it's something that you may want to bring up in conversation. You know, it feels like things have shifted. It feels like we're not really connecting the way that we used to. How does that fit for you, right? Without it having to be dramatic, without it having to be messy, without, you know the debacle of a friendship kind of falling apart. It's that's normalized this idea of people outgrowing each other because mm-hmm. it is normal. Gosh, I've said this so many times. I have like serious stuff with friends and like she, people don't really understand how, but I've just had so many friends just like 
up and leave I say one thing and they're just done they're okay. just gonna ghost me and so then of course I have like trauma from that and then yeah. I think if we have something I think that's it this is all this is how it's gonna be and um I've said this so much of like yes I speak my mind I'm a little bit more honest but I feel like I'm trying to understand you you don't like that so you're gonna leave that's fine but I would rather them just tell me <laughs> because especially with women I find it's this idea of like well if I just put my head in the same and then I'm just it, it doesn't exist anymore and it's like no just come tell me say hey that hurt me I kind of want distance or whatever it is because I never get the opportunity to fix it and then like mm-hmm. clockwork three four years later those same friends come back around hey I'm sorry this happened the da 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 and I'm just like I sh- literally will open my phone and be like oh <laughs> you know like <laughs> duh this is happening again um but yeah like what what advice would you give? I mean, what's to wrong me? with everyone else? Because I'm perfect. <laughs> just <kidding. laughs> no, but just the idea of like I have had to learn throughout all of my 20s that I'm OK just the way that I am. And obviously wow. I need to work on it. And there are things like if I hurt you, please let me apologize. But like my personality and who I am, that's OK. And I spent my whole life thinking it wasn't. So okay. like what advice would you give to somebody that's like, Maybe I rub people the wrong way, but I don't even know it. And this is just me and I'm hurt now because everybody is just leaving my life type of thing. Yeah, yeah. So one, I want to acknowledge how tough it is to have these conversations because it's they're obviously very personal, right? So coming to you, for example, if I feel that your personality is very forthcoming, right? So it's very much in your face. And sometimes you don't realize that the things that you say are hurtful, right? It's really hard to kind of muster up that moment to say, I need to have a conversation with you and I need to share this. And the easiest, most uncomfortable way is to avoid it. It is to retreat, right? So it's coming from a place of essentially self-preservation, right? So I'm trying to preserve myself, avoid the conversation, not make things uncomfortable and just kind of, you know, ease my way out of it. However, when we are in friendships that are meaningful to us, we don't want to lose these connections. We don't want to let go of the friendship. So I also want to differentiate between acquaintances and people that are in our life for certain periods of time and those really important friendships or relationships that deserve the conversations or the time and the dedication to kind of work through them. Some individuals just come into your life and you're like, all right, you know, I didn't work out. You know, we were friends for a certain amount of time and that was fine. Um, And so I don't feel the need to kind of have this conversation. So kind of differentiating differentiating between acquaintances and those really good friends that you need to be having these conversations with. And then also communicating. I mean, it just sounds so basic to kind of say, This is a conversation we need to be having, even if it is uncomfortable, even if we're being vulnerable and we're sharing the fact that the comment that you made was hurtful, or, you know, you may not think that there's anything that you need to change about yourself, but maybe I'm a little bit more sensitive. And so you get to be your whole self, but I want you to know that what you said, because I'm a sensitive person was hurtful to me. So can we discuss that? Can we have this conversation um, if the relationship feels important to me? 
So yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of it too is self-awareness on my part. And Mm -hmm. really it has taken eight, 10 years to be like, all right, if I get defensive, like when I tell my boyfriend about it and he goes, well, do you think maybe, and then I'm instantly defensive. I'm like, okay. But if I know, and I've really sought like the truth in my heart and really thought about the conversation and went like, I really don't think I did anything. I'm really sorry that I hurt you, but I really know my intention wasn't that then I have to let that responsibility go. And I have to be like, I really don't think I did anything, but I am sorry that you're sensitive. And having that self-awareness piece. Um, and then it it is hard too, because then if you have that self-awareness and then they still are not happy with you, then you're just like, that's mm-hmm. just it's me. Not your, it's not your problem. Yeah, it's. I feel like it's not my fault anymore, you know? Yeah, so it, it, there is a fine balance between taking accountability for our actions without being dismissive of that person's feelings as well. Mm-hmm. So without even needing to say, yeah, you're sensitive. And I guess that comment was hurtful for you because you're sensitive right. as opposed to saying, I'm really sorry. That was hurtful. Totally. Right. Mm-hmm. So kind of knowing that even saying, I, I probably a little sensitive is dismissive in and of itself, as mm-hmm. opposed to, I understand where you're coming from and I'm sorry. And I mean it. That's very different. Um, and if that other person is, you know, having a hard time taking care of that apology, then yeah, part of that is on them as well. But we want to make sure that we apologize in a way that is an actual apology so that we are being honest and, and taking accountability for the things that may have been hurtful. Totally. There's so much more that I want I to talk about. We've got one on more that. question yeah. and then our, our <laughs> one more question. Yeah. So I just want to backtrack a little bit. Um, it's where she went into one way and I um so you were talking about um in friendships and being okay with like okay we're different people now like let's distance ourselves but I'm curious as to your thoughts like when that happens in marriage so even for instance like me I feel like it's not even like I'm becoming a different person I'm just understanding myself a lot more and having a lot more Mm self-awareness um and like we're just realizing me and my husband all the more like we already knew I'm more introverted he's more extroverted but there are like plenty of like friend things that we love to do together Mm -hmm. but then there's a lot of things that we like to do separately from each other and Mm -hmm. so I want to know your advice for couples that are polar opposites like I'm talking about if if we're talking about like Myers-Briggs he's an ESTP I'm an INFJ Mm -hmm. like literally our numbers are opposite our letters are opposites yeah um, and we have a lot of similar correlations um, personality type wise. But when it comes to like, I need to relax, that means like being totally by myself, uninterrupted time to like decompress or whatever it is. He needs to be with friends um, after like a really long day of work and like let out a ton of energy. And um, I, I just think like we've we found like a good motion in that. But I know that was a really hard thing to figure out. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we like totally different things, but we're married and we love each other. So I want to know your advice for couples that are different and work differently. Yeah. So it's a balance between being a we and being an I. So we don't want to be 100% in we mode because then we're lacking a part of that individuality, a part of that individual 
I. And we also don't want to be in the state of constant I because now we're not connecting with our partner. So we want to look at how we can co coexist as a we, as individuals, right? So if we're looking, I don't know if this is going to be on video, but if we're looking kind of like at um, two individual circles, essentially, and we're doing the Venn diagrams, right? So we've got individual one, individual two, right? So if we're separated, this is I and this is I, and there is no we, right? So we're so separate, we're each living our different lives that we're not making any time or any moments to connect. If we're looking at we, then these circles are essentially on top of each other. And there isn't a sense of differentiation or any activities that these individuals do that aren't part of the marriage or the relationship. So there's no individuation. If we're looking at where we want to be, we want these circles to overlap like a Venn diagram where we still are individuals and yet we have this middle area where we are connecting, where we have our own culture, where we have things that are just ours as a couple, but we are still individuals within this we. So that's actually where we want to be. Those are the healthiest relationships where we have individuation and we have the connection. And so if you're able to find this medium where you understand that your way to relax is to be still and your partner is supportive of that, then it's like, great, I cheer you on and I support the fact that that's the way that you decompress. And alternatively, it's, and I also value the fact that for you, it's very different. And I understand that. And I value that. And how do we come together as well? What kind of activities bring us closer? What kind of things do we agree upon? How can I compliment you for the things that you are doing well? How can I thank you? How can I be grateful for the things that are working within our marriage? So we always want to be doing this. We want to be different and we want to be the same because we don't want to lose ourselves in our relationship, but we don't also want to be so separate that we don't have a culture for the couple or for the partnership. That's so good because I think I, I came out of a place where I was living with my parents all of my life. I move out to live with my husband and I never got a sense of self. <laughs> and so it's almost like we just adhered to each other. We liked all the same things. We did everything, absolutely everything together. We lived in a city that neither of us grew up in and we kind of just had all of the same friends or just hung out with each other and then we moved and also just as time goes on you figure out the things that you like and the things that you like to do and so I just love that comparison of like it's not wrong because if anything we were just on top of each other and that's not good yeah. and I'm like super creeped out of those couples to be completely <laughs> honest who are like oh we're the same person and we do all of the same things together and we just hang out with each other 24 7 we don't have any other friends mm -hmm. and it's like oh okay I'm not that but then it can kind of make you feel guilty like should I do absolutely everything with my husband but I don't want to and yeah, neither no, does you. he we like similar things but thank you for that because yeah. I'm like okay good that's exactly <laughs> that's literally like we are that then not to like 
now I feel like I'm boasting, but no, that just like makes me feel <laughs> more, I feel more encouraged. You, can be, you should feel good about the things that you're doing. It's not boastful. I think sometimes we feel like, uh, you know, I can't share that. We share a lot of bad things, right? We share a lot of like things when they, we when things always aren't share bad things. working, like, I'm miserable. Yeah. And then we feel bad about sharing the things that are going well. No, we need, we also need to share the things that are working. We also need mm. to celebrate each other's victories and celebrate when things are going well. We do. We we need that. We really do. And so, good for you. Good for you and your husband figuring out what works for you. And if you know, for other couples that feel like we're on top of each other, but it works for us, then also, who am I to say what works for you and what doesn't? Right? There's a theory that says that this is the healthiest kinds of relationship. But if what you're doing is working and you're happily married and you know, I'm not here to tell you that what you're doing is wrong. You do what works for you. However, if you're finding problems and if you're feeling like things are strained, then that's when you want to kind of check things out. A problem isn't a problem unless you define it as a problem. So if we're fine being in mesh and being on top of each other, then you don't need me, right? But now if you're coming into me and saying, these are things that I would like to be different, now we're going to dig into it. So it's not a problem for you. It's not a problem for me. That's so good because every relationship can look different. Oh, yeah. And that's okay. And it needs to, right? We all have our couple culture and you make it what is useful for for you and your career partner. So good. Thank you for that. Well, as we're ending, um, our very last question is what has been the silver lining to your life in that or to your life or to your work or it can be like a current situation, but something good that came from something bad or that didn't go very well? It's funny because I think when you sent me the question, I was like, oh, I have the perfect one. And it was, you know, related to COVID. And as we were talking, I was considering how my first career was in marketing and PR and how at the moment it was just like, oh my God, I can't believe that I'm doing what I don't want to be doing. And I didn't listen. I could have had, you know, my PhD already if I would have gone down that down that route. And I'm just kind of looking back on it. I was like, okay, but because this happened, I was able to find up my actual passion when it came to psychology and when it came to therapy, right? So it was something that I determined for myself. It's something that makes me feel purposeful because I also compare it to when I was very, unhappy and very unpurposeful working in finance. And so I think the idea of figuring out what I didn't want to do, being in a job that I didn't enjoy, really highlights and really makes me value what I do and really accentuates the things that I'm doing differently now in comparison to what I was doing then. So just looking at what didn't work and seeing how that experience really highlighted what does work in my life. Well, tell everybody where to find you, Instagram, your podcast, all of that. Yes. So 
Maria, but I go by Holistically Grace. Grace is my middle name. And so you can find me at www.holisticallygrace.com. Same for Instagram, my podcast, which I will need to re-record talking with you. Lovely ladies. I'm thinking, ah, oh, do I need to get back into this podcasting thing? Yes, you do. It's yes. fun. It's, it's fun so good. Conversations, right? Uh, so it's called Mind Meets Body. And it's essentially, you know, the holistic component of the mind meeting the body in terms of the conversations we're having. Yeah, that's me. Awesome. In a nutshell. Thank you so much Great. for having me. Thank, thank you. you so much. This was so good. All right, Shakers. Thank you so much for listening. We had so much fun with Maria. We both learned a lot and we hope you guys learned a lot too. Like we mentioned before, you can find all of her stuff down below in the show notes. If you haven't yet, follow her at Holistically Grace on Instagram. You will be lost on her page going down a black hole like we were when we found her and it just really helped open our eyes to a lot of things. Um, if you haven't yet, you can also follow us on Instagram at the Salt and Pepper Podcast and you can follow us personally at Olivia Crin and at it's Lisa Brosser. Um, you can join our Facebook group, the Salt and Pepper Podcast Insiders on Facebook. Again, you can find all of those in the show notes below. Um, if you haven't, subscribing, rating, and reviewing means so much to us. It helps us out so much. It takes you less than a minute. So if you are new to the show and you haven't done that yet, you could just scroll down while you're listening to this and just hit those five stars and tell us something you loved about this episode. Um, it helps us just get great guests like Maria on the show. So thank you so much again for listening and we will shake it up with you guys next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Tune in every Tuesday on the saltandpepperpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and please rate and review. Follow us on Instagram at the Salt and Pepper Podcast. Make sure to like and follow our Facebook page and email us for any questions, comments, or ideas about what you want to hear on the show. We will see you next Tuesday. I'm all shook up. This really helps open our eyes to a lot of things. Um, if you haven't yet, you can also follow us on Instagram at the Salt and Pepper Podcast, and you can follow us personally at Olivia Crin and at it's Lisa Brosser. Um, you can join our Facebook group, the Salt and Pepper Podcast Insiders, on Facebook. Again, you can find all of those in the show notes below. Um, if you haven't, subscribing, rating, and reviewing means so much to us. It helps us out so much. takes you less than a minute. So if you are new to the show and you haven't done that yet, you could just scroll down while you're listening to this and just hit those five stars and tell us something you loved about this episode. Um, it helps us just get great guests like Maria on the show. So thank you so much again for listening, and we will shake it up with you guys next Tuesday.